3: Hello and welcome in, Monday edition of the program. So glad to have you with us. Lots to get to. I didn't think that in December, with the football season that IU had, we would be leading the show with IU football news, but there's all sorts of news to talk about. Michael Penix has entered the transfer portal, a new offensive coordinator has been hired by Tom Allen, and two what appear to be pretty good pickups uh, from the transfer portal already by this IU football program for next season is what we'll begin the show with here in just a few minutes. So some IU football stuff. Of course, the Hoosiers on the basketball court get a great win, a Big Ten Conference win over the weekend, and now their sights are set on a road trip to Wisconsin. And the ever-so-tough place to play, the Cole Center in Wisconsin. So we've got that coming up. Lots of high school hoops over the weekend as well. Uh, New Albany, really a surprise team over the weekend. We'll tell you about what the Bulldogs did. Jeffersonville uh, got, a, got a win on Friday, a loss on Saturday, to a very good Cincinnati Walnut Hills team. And some other high school basketball topics to chat about. We'll do that here. And, of course, for high school hoops this week, it's New Albany at Floyd Central. On Friday night, one of the great rivalries of the season. It'll be our first high school basketball broadcast of the season. Look forward to hopefully a sold-out crowd Uh, at the Highlander Gymnasium they're on Joe Hinton Court. Uh, So we'll see after, I don't want to say after COVID, but as we are in COVID, maybe not nearing the end. I don't know what you call what we're in right now. But as the pandemic continues, maybe to a lesser extent now that the vaccines are available, uh, I'm curious what crowds are going to be like this season and will our traditional rivalry games uh, be packed and be crazy uh, or maybe will they not be sold out? So we'll find out with that first test, this weekend when New Albany goes up on the hill to play at Floyd Central and uh, some interesting stuff about that rivalry game we'll get into this week as well. Let's take a look at the show, show lineup for today, a service of Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Segment one, we've got our headline segment. We'll go through all the IU football news. We'll chat some IU basketball, some high school hoops as well. Then later in the show, Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star. He's always with us. Monday's uh, for the latest on IU football today, uh, IU basketball with a win over the weekend, and then Zach was down, he told me, uh, over the weekend in Georgia, he got a chance to see a couple IU commits in action, Ja'Kai Newton and also Caleb Banks, and so I know he's going to report in on what he learned watching those future Hoosiers this weekend in some high school hoops down in Georgia. And then later in the show, Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad's the AD at Charlestown High School, also an IHSAA executive board member. And when he's with us on Mondays, we talk local sports, and we've got high school hoops. He had a big event That Charlestown got to host over the weekend where he saw Jeffersonville and a number of other local teams play and so we'll discuss that as well and just uh, really the the first uh, full opening weekend it seemed as far as a normal schedule not surrounded by a holiday like Thanksgiving a week ago so uh, some interesting takes over the weekend from high school hoops, and we'll break it all down with Chad Gilbert a little bit later in the program today. That's the show lineup, a service of Honey Baked Tam in New Albany. Check out their dinner package deals, which are being offered. You can dine in, take them to go, and uh, also curbside service still available at Honey Baked Ham in New Albany. Let's look at our headlines for today, a summary of the day's top IU and Southern Indiana sports news. Lots of IU football news to get to. Uh, I debated what order, not that it's a big deal what the order is, but I debated what order to put these in. What's bigger news this weekend, uh, coming out of the weekend? Is it the fact that IU has hired a new offensive coordinator, or is it the fact that Michael Penix has entered the transfer portal? Uh, I'm going to start with the offensive coordinator hire. Walt Bell will be the next offensive coordinator uh, for the IU football program per ESPN senior college football writer, Adam Rittenberg. Bell previously had been an offensive coordinator at three different schools, and then recently, his most recent job, he was the head coach at UMass. And so we'll talk more about Walt Bell and his addition to Tom Allen's staff coming up a little bit later in the show. But obviously, that's a key coaching position, and I think you've got to say probably the biggest hire of Tom Allen's tenure so far uh, because things aren't rosy in Bloomington right now with football like they were a season ago. Really, the last few seasons uh, previous to this one had been positive momentum-building seasons for the Hoosiers, but obviously to this past year, not one of them. Michael Penix entering the transfer portal. You know, it's going to be interesting to think back about Penix's time uh, here at IU. He's a redshirt junior quarterback Entered the portal on Saturday, uh, Sunday night. And I think when you think back about Penix, if you judge him from the overall career, you think lots of injuries and some disappointing moments in this last season. But if you think about the 2020 COVID year, you would probably see Michael Penix as maybe one of the best in the Big Ten Conference and at the helm of a very explosive offense at least that season he was for the Hoosiers. And it's hard to understand the injuries and what changed other than obviously some key personnel that were there in 2020, not there in 2021, but a very interesting time at IU for Penix, And we'll talk more about uh, Penix's time in Bloomington with Zach Osterman in the next segment as well. But with his departure – Uh, Of course, he could always choose to return to IU. You don't often see that happen when a player enters the transfer portal. But uh, IU next year would have three scholarship quarterbacks. They would be Jack Tuttle, Dexter Williams, and Donovan McCauley. And, of course, we saw... Tuttle this year when Pennix went out initially, then a little bit later in the year we saw Donovan McCauley, the freshman, get some opportunities. And then keep in mind, IU also has a quarterback committed in the senior class that is expected, In football is so different. You can be verbally committed, then on signing day flip and make a change in your decision before you sign that NLI, National Letter of Intent. But uh, Rockwall, Texas uh, call uh, uh, quarterback, Josh Hoover, uh, and he was really praised in Texas high school football, we know how good that is. So uh, obviously some big news with Michael Penix uh, making the decision to enter the transfer portal. It's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up. And then IU's picked up a player from North Carolina named Emery Simmons that will be playing for the Hoosiers next year. He entered uh, his uh, name in the portal last month. And is a was a wide receiver at North Carolina. That is one pickup for uh, the Hoosiers. And also Bradley Jennings, a linebacker who used to be a standout for Miami, uh, is the third transfer, well now the fourth transfer, to commit to the IU football program. So it was a very busy weekend in the transfer portal for Tom Allen and his coaching staff. And a couple, of what appear to be very intriguing pickups for next season. And we know that this Indiana team most definitely needs some help, some pickups, the transfer portal to be very good to them uh, for this uh, next season as well, given what we saw this year. IU basketball over the weekend. We're going to talk more about that today. 68 55 win at home over Nebraska. Uh, IU got off to a nervous start. 9-2 was the early score. They trailed by 10 points uh, just above the halfway mark of the first half. Race Thompson, we've talked about him being the glue guy for Indiana. 11 points and 11 rebounds in 30 minutes. He did not commit a turnover. He had seven, you'll remember, in the loss to Syracuse last week. But a big effort by Race Thompson. Trace Jackson Davis actually led. No surprise there the way in scoring with 14 points, once again very efficient, 5 of 11 from the field. Thompson had 11. Bates, Tamar Bates, nice to see him with kind of a breakout game. He reached double figures with 13 points. Parker Stewart had 9. Xavier Johnson had 8. So very balanced scoring for IU as they get a Big Ten Conference win. And again, if Indiana can win, we said 1 of 2, that would be big. And if Indiana could win two early season Big Ten teams, Uh, That would really have you thinking about what this Indiana team could get accomplished in the Big Ten. That would be a big start. We know how tough the conference is, especially on the road, uh, but two wins in this early uh, preview of the conference year, you could call it, would be big for IU, and IU has one in the book right now. So a good start. More on that coming up a little bit later in today's show. Also, high school basketball over the weekend. New Albany with a come-from-behind win in the second half. They were down 13 points to Evansville Harrison on Friday night. Came back uh, able to get the victory. Then on Saturday, back at home at the doghouse, New Albany takes uh, number two, Zionsville, to the wire. Actually, Zionsville had to hit a corner three, uh, basically at the buzzer of regulation to force overtime. New Albany went on to fall by five, six, seven points in the overtime period. Another interesting note is Floyd Central. They were in action against the same Evansville-Harrison team that New Albany faced on Friday night. Uh, Floyd Central had a lead. Harrison came back. uh, Full court pass, almost kind of Christian Leitner-esque for Floyd Central. Out of bounds at the baseline, launched a baseball-football-style pass, whatever you want to call it, down the floor to the big man, the seven-footer Wesley Selahusky in the paint. He spins, puts it up at the buzzer to tie the game and force overtime. And at that point, Floyd Central goes on to beat Harrison in overtime. So I thought Floyd, and they're going to be really good this year. They've got the size and the tools to do so. I thought Floyd would be a big favorite heading into this rivalry game on Friday night, Based on the scores we saw this weekend, you probably would, would not be able to hold up my argument. So hoping for a very close and competitive and great rivalry game with the Bulldogs and Highlanders hook up on Friday night. Also worth noting, Jeffersonville went down to Evansville to play in a shootout on Friday, and they got a win over a solid Evansville North team. They got down in the first half and had to come back. And on Saturday, they were crushed by 20-plus points by Cincinnati Walnut Hills. We had Coach Hill from Walnut Hills on last week. Uh, They've got a great player. They're obviously a really, really good team in Ohio. And Jeffersonville in both games without Will Lovings-Watts. And Greg Mingelt, Hoosier Hills Hoops, uh, in the postgame interview there at uh, Charlestown on Saturday night, uh, really didn't get much of a a comment on what's going on with Lovings-Watts. But there are rumors he's going to miss a few games. And that's basically what we know. We don't want to build on any rumors, especially around high school sports. But he is going to be a key piece for Jeffersonville. We all know that. And so whatever we see from the Red Devils in the next few weeks until he's back, whatever that is, uh, obviously won't be the Jeff team that we'll see very likely when we get to February and the postseason. So some interesting happenings so far in the high school basketball season. It's been a very welcomed addition back to our sports landscape, high school basketball here for the 21-22 season. Those are our headlines for this Monday edition of the program. Send in your questions and comments on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. That's 502-414-1450. You can download the Thornton's Refreshing Rewards app today for great offers and savings on fuel every day. We've got Zach Osterman next to talk all the IU football storylines coming out of the weekend, IU hoops as well, then Chad Gilbert later in the show. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. We're back on this Monday show, 502-414-1450. That's the Thornton's text line. You can send in your questions and comments, and we've got lots to cover in this segment with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, lots of IU football news, and, of course, IU basketball, a Big Ten win under their belt and a big road test coming up here in just days at Wisconsin, Zach, let's start with the football stuff. Uh, let's start with offensive coordinator uh, Walt Bell, uh, apparently going to, to fill that position next for the Hoosiers, uh, former offensive coordinator at three different schools, but most recently the head football coach at UMass. What have you learned so far about Bell and how his uh, experience and uh, thoughts on football fit into what Coach Allen and this IU football program desperately need in that slot after last season?
2: It's interesting. It's an interesting hire. Um, there are ways in which I think it makes sense. There are questions that are difficult to answer. You know, I mean, it, it, it his offenses at Maryland and Florida State really did not set the world on fire. I think you have to move the UMass thing to one side. Number one, he's the head coach. Number two, quite frankly, UMass is an exceptionally difficult job. Um, you know, he had a lot of success at Arkansas State he's I think this is something like his ninth different program already so you're getting somebody that's ninth or tenth so you're getting somebody that' that's got a lot of experience and has worked I mean he's worked under Mike gundy he's uh, he's worked under Larry Fedora he's worked under Blake Anderson um, but on the other hand I, I do think you know I'm Uh, I don't mean to cast this as as fully negative. Um, He's only 37, but again, he's got an enormous amount of experience. It it will not, it should not be at all hard for him to kind of take up the sort of head coach of the offense charge that Allen um, really hands to that, you know, to his offensive coordinator. I mean, Allen has become more involved in Indiana's offense as the seasons have gone on, but he still very much defers to his OC in, in a lot of situations and, and on a lot of things, understanding that offense is just not part of, of his background. Alan's of course I'm talking about here. Um, and so I think that you're, you're getting you know, in a guy that's been an offensive coordinator in the, in the big 10 in the ACC and has run his own program. You're getting somebody that is not going to have any trouble with, you know, sort of the, the breadth of that responsibility. And at 37, um, you're also getting a guy that though, of course he's, he has been a lot of places is still young. is still energetic. He's still very hungry. My understanding for people talking to people who know him bell is bell is, just kind of a football lifer. He's just, I mean, he's a junkie for it in the way that I think in a way that I would imagine, at least in theory, really Fitz Allen, who I think is, is very much the same way. Um, But I I also think, too, I mean, I've seen some Indiana fans who said, oh, I'm underwhelmed by this, and I don't know if this works. You know, it's just, you know, we we were hoping for something more. I think, number one, if if you watch some film, and I have this morning been watching some film of Walt Bell's offenses, particularly at Maryland and Florida State, um, there's a lot conceptually that looks like what Tom Allen wants offensively. You know, and and, and again – Allen will give Bell room to kind of make that offense his own, but but I can see how the two of them would have met on kind of the theory or the concept of what Indiana's offense should look like. And number two, and, and I don't say this to, to sort of damn the hire, because I think it, I can make you a credible case that it will work out. It will work well for Indiana. But the other thing I would say, too, is that The reality of off ramping from a two and ten season is you know you don't get to go hire the the hottest coordinator on the market. That's just that's just not how this works. Um, and I think that that you know if you're Alan, I know people won't like to hear this. This is probably a slightly less risky move than targeting someone young, maybe less proven. Maybe you know it would feel in this moment like they've got a higher ceiling, but I don't know if you're in the end if you can afford that risk right now. I think you you need somebody that is going to get you steady, and I think that this hire gets you steady. And then the question is, can you can you take an increasing level of talent and turn that steadiness into something better?
3: Zach, let's go to the uh, Thornton's text line along these lines uh, of what you're discussing right now. Uh, the texter says, ask Zach, the offensive coordinator hire has mixed reviews from the social media, armchair quarterbacks, and even media. Any insight on how that may impact recruiting, or is it too soon to know? That's the question.
2: Yeah, I, I do think it's too soon to know. And, and, my again, my understanding, and this is one of those things that can kind of be thrown around at, loosely as, as a compliment without really a lot to quantify it, is that Bell is a good recruiter. Um, again he's he's still very young. Um, you know, I think I think he's kind of seen as, as fairly charismatic, fairly um, you know, sort of energetic, a guy that connects well with players. You know, you're not you're not hiring a you're not hiring like some like a coaching retread who's who's maybe just sort of looking to finish out his career somewhere or anything like that. You're getting somebody who I think, despite the fact that he's been an offensive coordinator at three different stops and been a head coach, he's still young and is still really sort of passionate and, and, you know, motivated in in this line of work. Um, But it is too soon to know how that affects recruiting, what that does for guys who are currently committed, what it does for guys Indiana may be targeting either, obviously, you know, ahead of the signing day coming up here in just a little over a week or, going into February, that's something that we can kind of only know with the benefit of time. But at very least, I think you you do look at it and say, well, he's, again, he's, he's been a lot of different places. I mean, he's been a full-time head coach, a full-time – because he, he was a GA, a couple different spots, quality control, a couple different spots. But he's been a countable coach at Southern Miss, North Carolina, Arkansas State, Maryland, Florida State, and then obviously head coach at UMass. He's going to be very familiar with that process, both as an assistant and as a head coach. And I think, again, it just kind of gets back to this idea that I just think Indiana needs somebody that can really steady things and really just give them solid footing again. And I can see where, you know, this hire would do that.
3: All right, Zach, we've got to switch gears, staying with football, and talk about Michael Penix. uh, You guys confirmed on Sunday night that he entered the transfer portal. Any surprise to this? I mean, injuries, there have been some great moments for Michael Penix. There have been some very tough moments. But I think when I think back about his time at IU overall, injuries are right up there at the number one thing you think of with with Penix, unfortunately. Uh, Your your thoughts, any surprise with this decision to enter the portal? You
2: know, I mean, um, surprise – in the sense that I didn't know it was coming. Not surprised in the sense that I can understand why Michael Penix might just want a fresh start. You know, at the end of the day, it's been four years. Uh, you know, he's put a lot in at IU. It's been frustrating at times. It is a crowded quarterback room. And, and again, there's there's no indication anything further will happen. We'll see kind of how that, that position develops for Indiana, but um you know, and I guess to some extent do He just lost his quarterbacks coach. You know, I mean, I, I mean, Nick Sheridan was the the quarterbacks coach that recruited him to Indiana. Obviously, moved aside for one year for Kalen Devore to be QBs coach, but really Nick Sheridan was still effectively sort of assisting QBs coach that one season, and then moved back into that role as offensive coordinator. So, I, I just I can understand why everyone might think you know it's it's just it's best to it's best to kind of wipe the like, slate clean. Um, I think that. You know, what I wrote last night, and, and I mean it, and I've gotten mixed reaction to it, is I think it's important for people to remember that Michael Penix ultimately accomplished what he said he wanted to at in Indiana, which is to turn Indiana into a competitive Big Ten program that, that has raised its level of expectation um, to the extent that we are having such, you know, prolonged sort of inquisition and, and recrimination for a two in a, a two ten season. Um, I know that it won't have always gone as he'd hoped. I know it won't have always gone as Indiana would have hoped with the injuries in particular. And then of course, with the way that he struggled this season before, uh, the throwing shoulder injury that eventually ruled him out. That being said, I do think it's kind of important to remember that like college football players are not permanent, that they, they don't stick around forever. They come in waves. And, you know, that they, they kind of come in, in cycles in a sense of, you know, sort of what the – what it is that they are being sold on by the head coach, by the staff in terms of here's why we want you to come here and help us. Um, and I think it, it, they also – you know, their ambitions kind of fit accordingly. And I think there were times this season, we, you and I may have talked about this, I, I wondered this, whether there were times this season if Indiana almost felt a little bit satisfied. Not necessarily arrogant or overconfident, but just that, you know, guys might have been forgiven for looking around and saying, well, you know, I, I did what I came here to do. You know, we, we made Indiana the, the program that kind of I envisioned when I was sold on signing with IU over all these other offers I had. Um, and I think that kind of Tom Allen's next challenge is, you know, is is sort of raising that ambition again as he brings fresh talent, fresh faces, fresh players, coaches into the into the program, is to almost kind of recycle out the sort of mentality of we are chasing this goal, and replacing it with this mentality of no, no, the goal here is is just is expectation the goal here is you know what is expected here is a minimum it, it, we're not the hunters anymore that's the old the old you know the, the the old cliche we we're not hunting for that anymore we have found it now it's our job to hang on to it to to solidify it and to not let it slip away after a frustrating season and i just you know, as, as much as it will be inevitable for people to wonder what Michael Penix could have done, would have looked like if he'd not had his injuries. And that, you know, what ifs will always be a part of sport. I just, I would encourage people to not lose sight of the fact that at the end of the day, he did what he came here to do. Maybe he will have wanted more. In the, you know, maybe Indiana will have wanted more. Everyone will have wished that, that he could have had better luck with injuries and therefore more time on the field. But it's not like Indiana didn't realize the goals that it would reasonably have set for Michael Penix when he got to college, and so I think he deserves to be remembered that way rather than as maybe just, you know, this this player that who, who's, you know, whose potential was never really realized.
3: Talking with Zach Osterman of the Indianapolis Star, Zach, there's so much. Uh, other stuff around Pennix and football I'd like to bring up, but our time is limited and I do know there's a lot of interest in basketball right now. IU gets a win over the weekend, a Big Ten conference win to start the year over Nebraska. Uh, Nebraska far from being a contender or even middle-of-the-pack team, I think, in the Big Ten this year, but nonetheless, for IU to start conference, play with the win, big stuff, and now looking ahead, a trip to Wisconsin, and the Badgers, I think, very solid this year. We know how tough it is to play at the Cole Center. A very interesting opportunity for IU coming up now with this road game at Wisconsin after a win on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get to see a lot of it. Um, I was down in Georgia watching some recruits. Um, you know, Indiana, I think, struggled a little bit more offensively. Turnovers still a problem, although I think Indiana kind of pulled them back in the second half. Um, you know, a good day for Indiana's bench. You know, those last couple games, Marshall, and particularly Syracuse, Indiana's bench had really struggled. And it's fine if you have to lean on your starters some nights. That happens. That's, but, but what you need is in a game like Nebraska where you're struggling early, your starters are a little sluggish, maybe guys are still a little tired from the, the double OT game at Syracuse, whatever. Well, that's when you need to turn to your bench and say, I can't have you giving me empty minutes today. I need a spark. And obviously, Indiana gets one, I think, from Anthony Leal kind of first. But, you know, then, what, Tamar Bates, 13 points, Rob points, 5.3 assists, you know, in total, that bench, I'm just adding it up as we talk, in total, that bench gives you 26 of 68 points. That's a good day. You know, that's, that's a good, solid day. Um, and, you know, I, 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 basically the only part of the game I saw was about the last 10, 15, 15 minutes. Indiana was never really blow in Nebraska out. They were never up 30, but they were never really in trouble either. Like I, I think I, I, I want to say I came into the game and Indiana was up about eight points, 10 points. And I don't think I ever saw Nebraska get it closer than six. So there's also that element too of, Hey, it wasn't your best game. And, and maybe there was a little bit of hangover from an emotional, physically taxing gaming in Syracuse, but when it mattered, Indiana was never really in trouble. And you look at Kim Palm breaks out the game, not by halves, but by quarters. Indiana loses the first quarter 16-6. to After that, they win the second quarter by 14, the third quarter by six, the fourth quarter by three. Indiana was in control, is my point. And, you know, we we always – you know, when you look back on a season, you're always going to remember the, the, the epic games, the big wins, and the big losses. You know, Syracuse will remember win or lose a game like that at the end of a season. You'll forget the games that ultimately you play a lot more of, the ones that are, are forgettable. They're not memorable. And it's just about basically finding a way to win them and navigating them. And I think that's what this was, you know, for Indiana. It's just it's one that you can you can cross off the list now and just move on. Um with a minimum of fuss, to as you said, a, a pretty substantial game at Wisconsin on Wednesday night.
3: Uh, let's go to the text line. Had a, a texter write in uh, thoughts on. He was asking my thoughts on Christian Lander if I feel that he should start over over Rob Finnessy was the question, and, and Rob Finnessy didn't start in Saturday's game. It was Xavier Johnson, uh, and I thought the the point guard position slot again, Zach continued to be. Uh, a concerning area of the team. Xavier Johnson and Rob Finney combined for zero points on zero of seven shooting, one assist combined between the two point guards that saw time. Lander has had some good moments this year, but uh, even in that close of the Syracuse game where he did get some key minutes and key spots, there were some concerning things there. And I think, didn't Coach Woodson, Zach, come out this past week and say uh, Rob Fennessy would be kind of the sixth man moving forward, at least for now? So to the texter, I don't think... Lander's ready to start, I think maybe there'll be some opportunities here and there for him to play more. But I guess, Zach, let me turn that into a question to you. Uh, a concerning area of this team is the playmaking position or how uh, Xavier Johnson and Rob Finnessy have performed, the two that we've seen get the bulk of the minutes, uh, at least in recent games.
2: Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't know if I agree with that. Um, I think Rob Finnessy has struggled a little bit. And we also know he's had an injury. It, it hasn't been fully defined, but Mike Woodson has kind of suggested he's been playing, you know, eight, even if he's come back, he's still not 100%. I mean, you know, Xavier Johnson didn't have an assist on Saturday, but he had eight points and six rebounds. He only had four points at Syracuse, but he had nine assists, which is, I think, a game high in that game. The game before that against Marshall, he had 20 points. He scored in in double figures in four of Indiana's first eight games this season, only twice has he failed to register at least three assists in a game. Um, He's fouled a lot. He's got one of the best free throw rates on the team, and he's also hitting nearly 79% of his free throws. His assist rate is 33.3%, which is I'd have to go back, but I'm almost certain if the season ended right now would be the highest single season assist rate IU has ever had in, from a player in the Ken Palm era. Um, he turns the ball over a little bit too much. You know, quite frankly, so does Indiana as a team. I think that's a, you know, that, that's something that's not just specific to Xavier Johnson. He needs to improve, but so do others. I actually think he's been pretty solid, to be honest with you. I think he can get better. Don't get me wrong. I think he can get, you know, substantially better again, particularly in, in ball security. But you're also talking about a player that is posting some really impressive assist numbers. His true shooting percentage is 65.2%. His defensive defensive rebounding percentage is 15.2%, which is a fantastic number for a point guard because that means that that on 15.2% of possessions that Indiana secures the defensive rebound while he's on the floor, the ball goes straight to the point guard's hands, which means the offense starts right away. You don't have to – it's not Ray Thompson pulling it down and looking around to hand it off to somebody – it goes, you, you go straight into offense. Um, I do think more broadly, you know, Indiana is, is still kind of working through the best way to deploy that depth at point guard. I, I wouldn't dispute that. And again, I think Rob Finnessy is maybe the the one piece that it's, it's still kind of hard to nail down, you know, his, his numbers, whether it's top line or underlying numbers still kind of haven't rebounded to what we know is his best after, I think he probably had even by his own admission to, a somewhat frustrating season last season. We also don't know exactly how much that, that injury is doing for him. I I would give Christian Landers some credit, actually. I, I, I think he's, he's burned hot and cold and he's definitely had a number of moments where you're reminded that, that this, you know, this would be his freshman season. Had he not reclassified, um, But, I mean, he's already made as many twos this season as he made all of last season. His assist rate is good, although his turnover rate is way, way, way too high. Um, You know, he's he's had moments where it's felt like he kind of sees some of his opportunities. I think the big question for Lander is going to be defensively. You know, it's just how can he hold up defensively when he doesn't necessarily have the physical advantage of – you know, uh, or the experience advantage of Rob Fennessy or Xavier Johnson. I think when we're talking about kind of how much Christian Landers sort of, you know, playing time increases where the ceiling for that is this season to me, a lot of that's turnovers, but a lot of it is also defense and just how consistent he can be with his defense. But I actually, I, I genuinely would say, I think Xavier Johnson has been good for this team. Um, I think he can get better. And, that's fine because it's December 6th. I think there's a lot of areas where Indiana can get better. But for me, I actually don't think he has been as big of a concern. I think you're still just kind of sorting through. We you know, we said on paper, Indiana's got enviable point guard depth coming into this season. What you're now maybe sorting through a little bit if you're Mike Woodson is, okay, how do I deploy that depth? How do I get the most out of that depth? Because, you know, Xavier Johnson has turned in more good performances than bad ones so far this year. Now you're figuring out how the minutes are distributed behind
3: it. Yeah, for sure. Zach Osterman, the Indianapolis Star, our guest. Zach, there's so much with IU football and basketball. We could we could spend an entire hour together. But uh, appreciate all of your insight, your coverage at indystar.com sports. And uh, we'll talk with you again next Monday.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having
3: me. All right, we'll head to a commercial break when we come back. Final segment of the hour, Chad Gilbert, the Charlestown Athletic Director, former basketball coach in the area, current IHSA Executive Board member, checks in. We've got lots of local stuff to talk about, including some big high school basketball action over the weekend, and there's this big game coming up this Friday night. It's New Albany at Floyd Central. We'll talk about that here early in the week as well as we uh, get excited about next weekend already. Stay with us. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.
0: We're back on the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison. Let's win this and for
1: all the small schools who never had a chance to get here.
0: Join Matt Daly at 11 a.m. for complete coverage of the Indiana Hoosiers and sports from a Southern Indiana perspective.
3: Let's win for coach. You got us here.
0: Here's Matt
3: Dennison. And we're back here on this Monday program. Chad Gilbert, Charlestown High School Athletic Director, IHSAA executive board member as well as with us on Mondays. We talk local sports in this segment. And, Chad, we've got all kind of basketball from a local perspective to talk about. It was a really good weekend, really the first full weekend of high school hoops in our area. So there's a couple things I'm going to hit you on. But first and foremost, Charlestown High School, your beautiful facility there, got to play host to a all-day shootout, basically, the Body Armor Showcase and you saw a lot of big-time players and some really good teams from various areas of the Midwest.
1: Matt, it was a great opportunity, not just to show off our show, our uh, facilities. However, it's good for our kids to be able to see what's out there, to see what it takes to be that big-time player. Because, you know, you get so stuck. You know, in our conference, we get got nine teams. So there's nine games of your schedule. And you like to play regionally, locally play those teams and go with it. And not that there's good not good players in, on our schedule, because there is. But there's this is that high level Romeo Mankort type player, you know, that you see coming in. You know, guys with offers from Kansas, guys with offers from Ohio State, you know, guys that can really get and go. That it shows your kids, hey, I want to have an opportunity to play that way. This is what I need to do. I need to work on my quickness. I need to work on my ball handling. And it gives you a chance to something to strive for. Now we're in a situation now that we're Coach Lynch can take that and build that down with his younger kids to see where they're at. And some of our kids in high school saying, you know, where they feel they've arrived. You still got work to do. So it's great from that standpoint. But it was great for you know a basketball enthusiast to get out there and just see the different talent. Uh we're hoping this year just scratches the surface. We hope to get some other teams next year, uh same type of caliber, but something where fans from southern Indiana and be able to come and watch. You know what? We, I didn't mention the Louisville commit from Warren Central in Indianapolis that was here. So we had some great teams. It was a great event. And uh, what the kids got out of the deal, you know, who played in it, it was able to get a, a T-shirt, able to get fed, able to be around some nice stuff. We did an excellent job of taking care of the teams in it. And that's where... Uh, Body armor coach Howard did a great job of putting that stuff on, getting that stuff going, and I think it was something that uh, was a really good experience for all the kids and everyone involved.
3: Jack Gilbert is my guest. We're talking some High School Hoops uh, Jeffersonville will start with the Red Devils coming out of the weekend. They won down at Evansville, had a come-from-behind victory over Evansville North, uh, who I understand is going to be very good and or solid in Evansville High School basketball scene this year. And on Saturday at your place, they were really dominated by this Walnut Hills team from Cincinnati who had a high major sophomore prospect that's getting all sorts of interest and the Red Devils without Will Loving's Watts this weekend. Kind of unsure of the situation there or what's going on or when he will return. But maybe some early thoughts on Jeffersonville as we start to go through our local teams?
1: You know, I think looking at them, I think Coach Grant is uh, definitely has his work cut out for him early on going in. Without When you have a all-star type player not playing for you, that means you got to fill in a pretty big hole. I do think that uh, he will do an excellent job in filling that hole. I think he's got some pieces to work with. He's got some young kids that look like they're pretty athletic and can get up and down. But there's a big difference, you know, with a freshman playing on the varsity team than a freshman who's able to work his way in as a sophomore and junior. So some kids will get thrown to the fire, but I have no doubt, Coach Grant, will have the team ready to go as the season progresses.
3: Chad Gilbert talking high school basketball. Uh, how about New Albany? They get a come from behind win Friday over Evansville North. Uh, down 13 points in the third period of play, and then they host Zionsville on Saturday. Zionsville now number one in the state after Indianapolis Cathedral lost over the weekend and uh, had a three-point lead over the Eagles as time was expiring. Zionsville hit a shot from the corner, a three to tie the ball game and force overtime, and then Zionsville would go on to win, and how about this? Zionsville defeated Westfield, another big school and really good 4A program this year in overtime on Friday night. Then they come down to New Albany and win in overtime on Saturday night. So they're a very quality ball club for a New Albany team, uh, Chad, with so much unknown as we head into this big rivalry game against Floyd Central on Friday night. I thought it was a really good weekend for the Dogs.
1: Oh, I agree on that, Matt.
3: And, and New Albany always
1: plays those Indianapolis schools tough. If you think, if you look at their path, whether it's Carmel or whoever their schedule is that they play in Indianapolis, it seems like they always play them tough. Last year, it seemed like they struggled at Zionsville. But this year, to take, like you said, the number one ranked team in the state in overtime, says a lot about there. It seems like they're starting to get their pieces together as well. And that's what, you know, the summer is misleading. And the summer, from a coach's standpoint, the summer's awful because, you, if you take that as going in to try to win games, it's going to be disappointing to you because people are going to try to do what they can do or what they can't do in the summer. Uh, the games are totally different. You're coaching; you're just happy to have people there, so you can't get people in check like you want to, or you're, you're afraid you run some guys off. So the summer kind of is not good for coaches, you know, as far as playing games. But the season, it takes a little time to work that summer out of kids. To find a team that meshes and goes together you talked about new albany that uh getting that uh, win we'll talk you know that'll ease you into the next one of floyd central and talking about their win down at usi mm-hmm. on the christian leitner he Matt. and i think we had evans i thought we had floyd central it was probably the best team now you know it's hard telling where these teams are going to shake out friday will be a big big test and we'll see where everybody is next week at this time
3: Chad, you brought this up to me over the weekend. We were texting about the event at Charlestown, and I think it's a great point. I want to talk about crowds because I'm the first guy to get on here and uh, blow off about how great environments are in southern Indiana, how great the crowds are for rivalry games. And it's not just the 4A rivalries. I mean, there are some great small school rivalries in the area that always bring out a big fan, a big turnout. Um You had a fairly low attendance over the weekend despite having great games at Charlestown. Now, it involves some teams from out of the area, and you never know how they're going to travel. But for this game Friday, uh, New Albany, Floyd Central, and others like it throughout the year, what do you think on crowds? Are we going to get back to normal, raucous, wonderful environments for high school basketball, or do you think COVID is still kind of stunting some of that?
1: Well, to answer your question on that, Matt, the Floyd Central-New Albany game will be close to sellout. The Jeff-New Albany game will be close to sellout. The Floyd, Central, uh, Floyd Central-New Albany, Jeff New Albany, Floyd Central Albany, Jeff-New Albany, Floyd-Jeff will always, always be close to sellout games. There's no question about that. Anytime there's a rivalry, that brings out the kids into it. You know, when the kids are the missing piece. I think we've got our basketball enthusiasts back out. Now, we'd like to have more basketball enthusiasts come to games that don't involve their teams just to kind of see where they're at. But the kids is what we got to get out. We hope kids can get out and enjoy that, be part of it, support your school, support your teammates, those are your classmates. Have pride in that school. Not just this game, but every game moving forward. You know, it's something that we're not out of this COVID thing yet, but I think we're knocking on the door. and We hope that things are uh, continue to get great moving forward.
3: All right, Chad Gilbert, my guest. Chad, thanks for the quick chat today. We'll catch you next week.
1: Matt, appreciate the run. Thanks for everything you do for Saturday Man Sports.
3: All right, that's going to wrap up this Monday program. We'll be back with you Tuesday. This is the Hoosier Report with Matt Dennison.